Hello, and welcome back to the Holistic Women's Health Podcast. I'm so excited to have Dominice Clifton on the podcast today. She is a Baltimore-based certified yoga instructor and breathwork and meditation facilitator on a mission to enhance overall emotional education and well-being through body-centered approaches to healing. She is the founder of Move and Still, a mission-driven company dedicated to employee wellness, as well as Nourish Wellness Collective, a hybrid wellness community for women entrepreneurs and working professionals. Her first book on this exact subject, Hold Space to Heal, Seven Somatic Approaches to Help You Release, Reconnect, and Remember Your Power is Set to be published in the summer of 2023. Welcome to the podcast, Dominice. Hi, thank you so much for having me, Alex. I'm looking forward to our conversation today. I'm also looking forward to this topic. And just to ease into it, I would love to get to know you, your story, how you got into this field. And yeah, what led you interested in the movement, the breathwork piece, meditation, yoga? So people always ask me if I like what, what, got me into the wellness industry. And if it was something I was always interested in, I'm always like, I'm very shocked that I'm here because this is not where I saw myself being. So prior to the work that I'm doing now in the wellness industry, I was in nonprofit grant writing, fundraising, and that was my jam. Like I was in development. I shouldn't say it was my jam because I didn't really enjoy it, but I was really good at it. Um, And so I spent um, some time there, but again, like not very happy in that role. And I pivoted away at the end of 2019, right before COVID hit. I had just had my second daughter in September of 2019. And I was like, I'm going to take an extended maternity leave and go back to work in a few months. And then COVID happened and people were getting like laid off and um, unemployment was super high. And I was like, maybe not the best time to enter the workforce. And so I started um, coaching and working with women one-on-one and in small group in the midst of COVID. And that kind of spiraled into the work that I'm doing now. Um, But the work that I am doing really is kind of a catalyst of my own healing journey or not kind of, it really is a catalyst of my own healing journey. So from about eight years old up until maybe three years ago, I struggled with overeating and emotional eating. And I had a very unhealthy relationship with food and food was really my way of coping. Like that was my thing. We all have our different vices. And it was like one of the things I felt like I could control in the world. Um, I, again, started with emotional eating at a very young age. And to keep this as short as possible, I had a lot of unaddressed childhood trauma that as a kid, I didn't really know what to do, what to do with it. My family, we weren't really well, we didn't do a great job of talking about things. And so there was just a lot that I was dealing with and trying to understand emotionally. And I kind of just bottled it up and I would just turn to food to make me feel better. And very quickly, I put on a lot of weight. So then I didn't feel good about my body. Um, I had a lot of shame and guilt about things that had happened in my childhood, a lot of unanswered questions. And I just learned to essentially hide for over two decades. Like I didn't want to be seen because of what I was holding physically. And so I just dimmed my light. Like I, you know, I played very small and that was my existence. And I was not very happy. And I would put on a mask every single day, not a a, a literal mask, but put on a mask and go out into the world. And I, I was an overachiever. I I say I'm a recovering perfectionist. Like I was very ambitious. And so I did well. And people were always like, oh, you know, you're doing such a great job and just always applauding me for the things that I was doing. But deep down, I would come home at night and feel so insecure and like have all of these internal emotions of shame and guilt and all these things. And that was just the way that I existed until a couple of years ago. I was like, okay, I am tired of having this unhealthy relationship with food. I am tired of feeling like this inauthentic version of myself that's living two lives. 
there's work that needs to be done here. And through my own healing journey, that really, again, was the spinoff for the work that I'm doing now in the wellness industry. And I would say that the biggest thing I've learned is just that our bodies hold on to so much, really everything. Um, Our bodies hold the truth. And I was trying to like numb and ignore a lot of what my body had stored. And it wasn't until I gave myself permission to release and I held space to heal, which is what my book is about, that I was able to release a lot, change my relationship with food, and then started coaching and now the founder of Move and Still. Was there, how did you get started? Did you get started in yoga or in breath work? And what led you into that? Yeah. So again, started out as a nutrition and wellness coach working with women. And typically when clients came to me, they were interested in weight loss and then weight management. So how do I lose it and how do I keep it off? And this was also, again, in the middle of COVID, I I was seeing this pattern with my clients. They would come to me and their goal was weight loss. And they would be like, okay, like, what do I need to do? Give me the nutrition plan, give me the, the workout and I'll do it. And they were all extremely stressed and dealing with a lot of anxiety. Most of them were moms. So they were trying to balance motherhood with careers or businesses. Many of them were wives. And so they wore a lot of hats. And then of course, like now we're homeschooling kids and all of these other roles that we weren't ha- that we didn't have before. And I was in the midst of all of those things too, as a mother and a wife and all those things. And so I was also stressed as a coach. So I started doing research on like, how do I support my clients? Like trying to understand stress, release, uh, relief and burnout. And it was like, the more that I learned, the more that I realized, oh my gosh, like at the core of everything that we see from um, substance abuse to depression, to, you know, overeating or undereating or like whatever violence, crime, like whatever things we're seeing, stress, unaddressed stress and trauma is really at the root of that. And as a society, like we aren't taught how to properly deal with and manage our trauma and how to release our stress. And so people just find other ways to cope. And that information is really what caused me to move away from coaching to start moving still because I was really passionate about and really passionate about educating people on how to really properly heal. Um, I think typically we only think about like going to a therapist, which is wonderful, but I think therapy has to be done in conjunction with somatic work. And a lot of people don't know that part um, because if we're just doing therapy, like we're not addressing all of the things that our bodies are holding. And so that's what got me into yoga, meditation and breath work is really um, for myself and for those that I serve, like wanting to hold space for people to be able to release. Mm-hmm. Just as you were telling your story as well, and thank you for sharing, yeah. it's such an, a great journey. Uh, in your, as you were going through your experience, did you find it harder holding onto those emotions or harder to release and come to terms with everything, mm-hmm. have that permission to let it go? That's such a great question that I've never, <clears throat> excuse me, I've never been asked. And I think that, of course, like when you are facing emotions and things that have been buried for so long, there's a ton of um, memories and experiences that are going to come up that you have to deal with. And so I held on to for so long, I had so much shame, so much guilt around my childhood, being born to a teen mom and having never met my biological father. There were other choices that I made in my childhood that, you know, made me feel like a lot of guilt and shame. And then I just felt a lot of shame for my physical body and my relationship with food. And so yeah, it once once you get to a space where you're holding space, like that's what I'm saying, like you hold the space to let your body release. You got to be willing to face those things that for so long, like you just wanted to bury away and pack away and not acknowledge. And that wasn't an easy part of the journey, like confronting all of those things and allowing myself to go back to, you know, 
some of those childhood experiences and just relive them for a moment for them to come up. But I will say like, I'm, I don't necessarily feel like I'm on the other side because I feel like we're always peeling back layers of the onion and healing. But I will say that it feels much easier now that I've released that those emotions, that shame and that guilt, it feels easier and confronting it was definitely worth it. Although it was challenging. Mm -hmm. It's almost like you have to get through that challenging yeah. time, come out the other end. So yeah. can, can I share something there? So um, there's an author that I love. His name is Resma Minicum. And he wrote My Grandmother's Hands um, in another book, which I'm blanking on. But he talks about in My Grandmother's Hands, clean pain versus dirty pain. And it's like, as adults, we typically want to choose no pain. And so we're like, I don't want any pain. And it's like, well, that's not really the choice to make. It's either clean pain, which is I have to go through this or dirty pain, pain, which is typically what you see with, you know, a lot of the things happening in our society. I'm just going to ignore this. I don't want to deal with it. Yes, it's painful, but I'm not going to face it. And it's like, that's not the right choice. And so a lot of us would rather like ignore the things, just pretend that the trauma is not there. Like pretend that we don't have the issues that we have. And it's like, Yes, you choose clean pain. It does hurt. It does suck sometimes, but you got to go through it in order to heal from it. And I would say that that was the biggest differentiator for me. Mm, yeah, sounds like I have to read that book. It's and, so good. Yeah. <laughs> okay, adding it to my list. And yeah, it's almost like mold. If you just let it fester and, you know, day in, day out, you're dealing with the tough stuff and it's just, it's not going to go away no matter how much you ignore it. Yeah. Yeah. And it just leaves us feeling empty, which is what I felt for so long. Unfulfilled, like unhappy, and no one really wants to live that way. No, that's not a good feeling mm -hmm. at all. And if you could talk about your experience growing, creating the both of your organizations, Move and Still and the Nourish Wellness Collective, I would love to just hear your experience with that. Sure. So Move and Still is just about a year old now. Um, I always say it's still my baby in diapers. Um and I, again, started moving still because once I started understanding stress and trauma better, especially where I live in Baltimore, I was connecting the dots on like a lot of the things that our communities are dealing with and how, again, like people are just coping. They're trying to survive and they've had so much trauma, so many experiences happen and they don't really have ways to manage those things or the resources and tools that they need. And so I felt really passionate about just education first. Like I love learning. I'm a lifelong learner and I soak up information and I felt really passionate about sharing that information. Um, but also again, like being in a position as a yoga instructor and a breathwork instructor where I could hold space and be a part of that journey for people. Um, and a lot of being a yoga instructor, I always joke when people say, what do you do? I'm like, how do I describe this? I think that what I really do, I see it as like sacred work because I typically hold space for people to just come home to themselves. And that's not something that a lot of us do on a consistent basis. Like we're used to being so busy and moving and doing and our list is so long. And so we're we're really good at doing, but we're not so good at being. And so as a yoga instructor, as a breathwork instructor, I hold space for people to just be with themselves. And, you know, if you bring spirituality in it, like being with source, being with God, like just reconnecting and making that connection. And so I feel like that's very sacred work in a world that doesn't necessarily always, um, you know, push people and convince people to, to do that, like to just be with themselves. We are so programmed to seek external validation, but it's like when, when you're struggling or suffering or looking for answers or needing to heal, the journey is really about coming back home to yourself. And so I get to do that. 
Um, and so Moving Still is, it, it's really about community work. So working with uh, communities and organizations who might not typically have access to wellness. I'm very passionate about that. Um, and typically those are BIPOC communities, underrepresented communities. And so um, being able to, you know, offer yoga services to communities where there's no yoga studio in the neighborhood. There's more liquor stores like that sort of thing. That's what I'm really passionate about. And then on the other end of that, it's working with organizations and businesses and corporations and offering workplace wellness. Um, and the focus there, again, is like, we're we're so busy, you know, like now there's this really blurred line between working from home and being home and the boundaries are even worse than they used to be, I think, with a lot of people working remotely. And we're seeing burnout just at an alarming rate. And then people are being laid off and they're dealing with that stress. And then the people that are left behind in the workforce are now taking on more work. And so like, we're just very stressed out as a society. And so my hope is that through Moving Still, I'm able to really teach people ways that they can consistently manage and release stress, really deal with the, their trauma and face it um, to, to move forward. And really, like I talk about, own their power and then really quickly nourish. Um, it's a new baby that I'm actually going to be launching in the spring. And so I'm just sharing information about it now. But it's a it's a hybrid community for women, uh, female founders or entrepreneurs and working professionals. And it really is a place for women to come and be held. When I was in practicum for breath work, I was holding space for a lot of women and doing free sessions. And I can't tell you how many times over and over women would finish and go, oh, my God, it felt so nice to be held because we are not often held, like we're nurturers, we're often holding and caring for other people. And so I really just envision a space that is wellness focused. So there will be live yoga, breath work and meditation uh, sessions weekly, but also focused on professional development and just growing together and, you know, prioritizing ourselves together and uplifting women. And so that'll be coming soon, online classes and then quarterly meetups in person for us to just build relationship and community. That's wonderful. There's I mean, took a lot of notes because you said a lot of things. <laughs> the the one thing I want to just get a little bit deeper, and you said that um, a lot of people seek that external validation, so you're teaching them and holding that space for them to come home to themselves. What about for someone either in a not good community or someone who doesn't like themselves, doesn't like their situation? It could be very hard to hear, okay, how do I come home to myself when I either don't like the situation I'm in or I don't like myself? What do you, how do you manage that? I think that was me for a long time. Um, I feel like I wasn't very happy with myself. I had a lot of insecurities, um, but I will just say from my own personal experience that turning to someone else or something else to make you feel better. Like I tried that for so long. It doesn't work. You still, you're still dealing with the unhappiness, not feeling fulfilled. Like we're constantly searching and however you cope, whether it's food or shopping or, you know, substances, drugs, alcohol, like whatever your thing is, maybe a person, cause we can be addicted and dependent on other people to fill that void. You're going to constantly be looking for, for something or someone to fill that void. And you will, it's like a perpetual hamster wheel of just searching and searching because what you're searching for is really inside of you. And so, yeah, it's not easy. Um, especially if we're, if we're not used to like sitting and being still and just allowing the mind to settle and all of those things. And maybe again, like revisiting some of those painful memories, it, it, it is, it is not easy, but it's such a necessary part of the journey. 
And I will say that sometimes it can be helpful to do that work in conjunction with a therapist or a professional who can help you process through, like if you're having really painful things come up, like I recognize that we all have walked very different lives. And so our pain and trauma might look very different. If it's something where like you feel like just sitting with yourself and allowing yourself to experience or go back to those memories is just even more traumatic. I think that it is important to have someone to guide you through that process. And even with breath work, that titration becomes important, like easing in versus just jumping into 12 feet, like sticking one toe in and letting yourself warm up to it. But there's no way around the work. There's no way around, again, like sometimes facing those nasty memories and things, but you will be searching forever if you're looking for an external uh, substance or thing to fill, you know, that void that you're feeling internally. And with the the breath work, mm-hmm. how, I'm curious just to get your thoughts on it. How is it different from meditation? Is it a form of meditation for someone, like you said, to titrate into that, ease into it? What's mm-hmm. the best way to just start small, dip your toe in? Yeah. So I, w- I always like to just start with explaining what breath work is because I never want to assume like it's a, it's still a new concept for a lot of people. I never want to assume that someone just knows. And so breath work is the act of conscious, excuse me, conscious breathing or intentional breathing. So right now, as the two of us are talking, we're breathing. It happens automatically. We don't have to think about it. That's such a wonderful thing that the body does for us. For everyone that's listening, they're breathing as they're listening. And again, we don't have to think about it. It happens automatically with our nervous system. When you partake in breath work, you are shifting and controlling the breath. And typically that might be slowing the breath down and just being very intentional about taking big breaths in, or it might be speeding the breath up. Depends on what the outcome is that you're going for. Um, but yeah, so the thing about breath work is that it has the ability to heal us on a cellular level. Like if you imagine the, the oxygen just kind of flowing throughout the body and stirring up some of the the old memories and like gunk, you know, that has gotten stuck in our bodies and just being able to release it in that way. And from my own experience and just what I've learned, breath work and meditation are different Meditation is more so like a mindfulness piece. I think breath work is more focused on the body. So whereas when you meditate, it's really about the mental, the emotional, you are just observing your thoughts. You're learning to be more mindful of your thoughts. Breath work for me is really about like pulling the energy into the body. And so as someone who typically is always in their heads, is always overthinking, like that is just how I've existed for so long. I was very heady and I was very like masculine energy, mind focused for most of my life. What breath work has done for me and I think how it's different from meditation is that it allows me to ground and come into my body and like just to quiet the mind. Um, And for a lot of us, again, because society is really like we're very, again, like heady, um, even with therapy, like we're always focused on the mental, emotional. But with breath work, you get to control like you get to bring bring the emotions down, like ground into the body. If you're detached from your body, it's really a great way to come home to the body. Um, And so that's how I see them different. I think breath work is more so focused on the body and it really connects the mind and body because when you do breathe, you're able to slow down the thoughts and all of those things. But I think with meditation, the emphasis is more on mindfulness and the the mind and mental, the mental aspects versus, you know, not so much the body. Wonderful. I like how you explained the the two differences. And Mm -hmm. I had a client just last week who, when I was explaining to them, okay, you need to focus on the breath, take some deep breathing. 
a lot of us breathe from our chest instead of mm-hmm. those deep belly breaths. Just yes, and even throughout myself, I notice throughout the day, I'll just be breathing from my chest, just those mm-hmm. short, quick breaths. You know, go, 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 breathing in my chest. And I was trying to explain to a client, you need to slow down, do a belly breath, and they were like, I don't know what that is. I don't know how to mm-hmm. do that. Like how. Mm-hmm. And they were just so confused. How do I breathe through my stomach? And so I was trying to explain it. And I just, it was like a light bulb moment being like, a lot of people probably have no clue how to do it. So yeah. if you could walk us through oh my gosh, expanding your stomach, contracting, what that looks like, feels like. Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's such a good question. Thank you for that. So I will answer that question. But as you were talking, I was thinking, just going back to like how breathwork and meditation are different or similar, the mind and body are connected. And so the beautiful thing with breathwork is that when we breathe, we are breathing and really moving the air through the body, but it's also working to quiet the mind. And so again, like for me, meditation is very mind focused, whereas breathwork, I think does a really great job of merging mind and body. When you calm your nervous nervous system down, those racing thoughts in the mind also quiet, also calm down. And so like, let's say, for example, someone struggles with anxiety. Anxiety is like feeling an emotion in the body or feeling an emotion in the mind and then having something happen in the body, like anger, you know, anxiety, like all of those things. We have a thought, we have an emotion, and then our bodies respond to that fear, all of that. And so what I love about breath work that I think, again, makes it a little bit different is that you can breathe and it changes the mind, calms the mind down, calms the mind, releases the stress, but also does that same thing for the body and calms the body down. And so it's like a two for one almost when you breathe versus meditate. And then to answer the question about just deep breathing, I think that you making that point is so beautiful and also so important because a lot of people, myself included at one point, because we're used to moving so fast and being busy and like typically holding a lot of stress, we don't realize that we breathe so shallow. It's just become our norm. And so we're just used to functioning that way. One thing that I have appreciated about breathwork over the last couple of years is that it has allowed me to almost like reprogram my body to take fuller breaths. So when you practice breathwork consistently, you get your body used to like pulling air from the belly all the way up to the chest Mm -hmm. and you can really change the way that you breathe. And so even if you are breathing just from the chest and that's been your norm, with practicing intentional slow deep breaths, you can always just like reprogram the body to breathe the way that it is designed to breathe. So what you mentioned is breathing from the belly, really pulling the air all the way into the belly up the, like the diaphragm, which is right around the rib area up to the chest and then releasing fully. So that's a really big breath. And for some people it can actually, and it can actually be really hard because we aren't used to breathing that way, but the easiest thing to do, there's no like specific pattern. I always say like connect with the body. So if you feel comfortable putting one hand on the chest, one hand on the belly, when you breathe in, you're going to take a big breath in. You can take a breath through the nose or the mouth, but you want to feel the belly expand as if you're blowing up a balloon. So you should feel the air come in and the the belly open up a bit. And then again, pull the air all the way up to the chest. So the chest is rising as you're inhaling. And then when you release, you're going to feel the chest fall and feel the belly fall. If you just sit and practice that, Again, there's no specific pattern, just like being very intentional about a slow inhale and a slow exhale. You will see, you will feel the difference in your body versus what we are typically used to, which is, again, a very shallow breathing pattern. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it just made me realize when you said we're in that habit of breathing so shallow, Mm -hmm. it it could be hard to switch it up and, and get back to... 
And I like that you use the word intentional because I feel like that fits very well with the meditation, the breathing, just being intentional and everything's Mm -hmm. a practice. You're not Mm going to be perfect. So yeah. Yeah. And it might be hard. I I also want to name that, um, especially depending on your lifestyle. Like if you are used to being inactive and breathing very shallow, or maybe you were a smoker at one point or are a smoker again, you're pulling just from the chest. And so trying to take a deep breath is going to feel like a lot for your body. On today is Saturday. On Wednesday, I held a group breathwork session for a local organization here in Baltimore that works with women that were recently incarcerated. And one woman, we were just going through a very grounding, slow breath. So we were breathing in for four, exhaling out for eight, again, paying attention to that very intentional breath in. And she said, that was really hard for me. She said, when everyone was taking a big breath in, I had to take two small inhales in. And what I was explaining to her is that that's hard for your body because for so long you've been breathing shallow. And so, yes, when you try to take that very big breath in, it your body isn't used to it. But I was like, keep at it, keep practicing. And what you'll notice over time is that again, it's like reprogramming your body. It will become easier. So I also want to just name that for anyone who tries to breathe and it might feel hard or like you're taking a half breath, continue to do it, continue to do it. And you just really have to get your body used to taking a a more fuller breath. And when you do some of these workshops as well, do you notice anyone having any big emotional release going through the breathing and just, you know, connecting back with your body? So yes, I have had that happen in sessions, but I will also say, and I've had conversations with people who not necessarily with me, but will share, I went to a breathwork session and I found it really hard to be vulnerable and to let myself experience those emotions because sometimes in a group setting, especially if you're in a setting with people that you don't know, you are not willing to be as vulnerable and to let yourself release the way that you want to. And so even if you feel like you want to cry or moan or scream or whatever it it feels like you need to do, there's a part of you that like conscious mind that's like, oh no, I can't do that. These people are going to judge me. Um, And so I see that often too, where it's hard for a lot of people to really let themselves go and just be fully present in that moment. Um, But I do have sessions where, you know, people will cry or like, you know, they afterwards, they're really emotional and trying to just like regroup and bring themselves back and that sort of thing. I always say like all of those things are normal, emotional release, uh, noise, movement, like all of those things are normal. But again, like we are so not programmed and conditioned for us to be vulnerable and to let our guard down in that way. And so my recommendation for someone that might be new to breathwork is maybe to start one-on-one with a, with a trusted facilitator who, who can hold space for you in a safe way and you can release and let go and not be worried about like what the other people in the room might think about your experience. Because the truth is that you never know what's going to happen. Like you never know how your body is going to respond. I've had sessions where nothing happens. And then I have had sessions where it's like the floodgates are open and like all of the things are coming up. And so I'm comfortable now just because I've done it so much with being in a group and letting myself be vulnerable in that way. But for a lot of people that are new, especially when you're like, I have no idea what I'm about to kick up when I do this, it might be easier just to start one-on-one, get used to it, get your body used to it. And then maybe you can participate in a group setting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You make a very good point. Starting one-on-one where you feel comfortable yeah, and even just allowing yourself to feel those emotions because in a group setting, I'm sure there's a lot of people just mm-hmm. holding it together and, and same thing. And sometimes it just takes that one person to release mm-hmm. their emotions. And like you said, you know, take that deep breath, that sigh, that moan, the crying can help other yeah. people feel the release. And 
I, I had a similar experience just in in yoga and shavasana at the end of the mm-hmm. class where you just sit still. And for some reason, the first time that I, you know, at the end of the class, you're just laying there, nothing. And I just started, tears just started coming mm-hmm. out of my eyes. And I thought, what the heck is this? Mm-hmm. I'm just laying here and all of a sudden all these emotions are coming mm-hmm. out. So I feel like breath work and meditation would be a very similar experience. Just why all of a sudden am I experiencing all these emotions when I'm sitting still? Mm-hmm. So Shavasana is the most important pose in yoga. And so I always tell people at the end, like everything that we've done for this last 30 minutes minutes or an hour was just for this moment. Like that, the doing nothing, right? Like you were just preparing your mind and body to, to do nothing and be okay with that moment of nothingness. But it is really hard. And I actually had something like that happen on Wednesday with another woman. She said, I don't know why, but I just started crying when we were doing this, the, the deep breathing. And I was like, well, you don't, we don't always understand, like you don't necessarily always have an emotion or a memory or an experience that you can pinpoint to the tears that are coming, but your body is so wise that it's like, there was something that needed to be released. So even with your case in Shavasana, consciously, you're like, what the hell is going on? But your body is like, thank you. You know what I mean? Like I've been holding this in, I've been needing to release this stress, this trauma or whatever, you know, that was that needed to come out. But typically we don't give ourselves enough time and we don't hold the space for our bodies to release. And that's what I love about somatic practices is because a lot of times, like we're so used to thinking that we have to do so much. So it's like, what coach do I need? Or what guru do I need? Or what therapist do I need? And again, like I've had all these things. I think that they're helpful, but usually it's just being still. Like usually it's just giving your body a moment. Usually it's just taking some deep breaths. And that can be much more profound to your body to releasing and letting go of what it needs to be. But that is also much harder for most people to do. And for someone who is just getting into this work, how many times would you say would be a good, so maybe is it once a week for it to be effective? Mm. Is it every day in the morning for five minutes or 30 minutes? What does that look like? Mm. I'm like, yes, (laughs) thank you for these wonderful questions. Um, Such a great question. And I always teach people, we experience stress every single day. So ideally you should be doing something for yourself every single day. Now, the level of stress is going to be different from day to day. So I give an example, maybe Monday you're stuck in traffic, maybe Tuesday your kids are acting crazy or Saturday for me, because that was my experience before this call. Maybe Wednesday, you know, you forgot to take the meat out for dinner and you're like, damn it. And that, you know, stresses you out Thursday. It's something at work. Like every day there's something that's happening. There's a, there's something that your body is dealing with and trying to process through that's stressful for you or even traumatic because turning on the news can be very traumatic. Those sorts of things are happening. So every day we are experiencing stress on a different level. So the goal, your body is holding all of that every single day. So the goal is to do something every day to release stress and it might look different every single day. So maybe every day you don't have time to go to the gym or go for a run or, you know, whatever that is, like time just doesn't permit. Maybe it's breathing one day, maybe it's physical activity another day, maybe maybe it's meditation one day, maybe you're just going for a walk the next day. So I always tell people to allow yourself to just explore and figure out what works for you and you know, play around with what you do, but you should ideally be doing something for yourself every single day. Okay, good. Every day. Yeah. And I like how you said, allow yourself to explore because as adults, I feel like we don't allow ourselves to whatever it is, be silly, play, explore. So just giving yourself that, that time holding space for yourself to sit down. Do people notice effects right away or Mm. does it take a little bit to notice some of these effects? 
It depends. Um, before I answer that question, I love what you said about just the uh, honing on the exploring piece. So usually when I talk about, I call it soul care versus self-care because I think that it's an all-encompassing approach to mind, body, and spirit. And I just want to name the little person in the background because um, <laughs> I don't know how much of this you'll be able to edit out, but she's three. Um, but again, focusing on soul care, it's all-encompassing. When we think about self-care, it's usually more topical. So it's like getting the massage or getting our nails done, our hair, our hair done. But when you think about caring for yourself, you should be thinking about all three of those aspects of yourself. And I, instead of calling it a toolbox, I say build up your soul care toy box. So really allow yourself to play and explore exactly what you said and like try on things and see what feels comfortable and like try new things. Maybe for me, like starting to do Zumba and dance was something that was new for me and something that was fun. But for a long time just because of my own um, thoughts and things that I have with my body, my own insecurities. I never allowed myself to be seen in that way. And that's been joyful to come back to myself in that way. And so I definitely say like, let it be a fun process and not like a something that you have to fix process. Um, and then as far as, is it an immediate release or does it take a while? I think it depends. And it depends on the person and what they're experiencing, what they've been holding. So sometimes when you do breath work, you might feel an immediate release. It has, that's one of the benefits. Like if you're, if you're feeling very tight or tense, you're holding a lot in when you finish, it's usually like, oh, that feels so much better. However, if you've been holding things for a long time, it might, you might need more than just one breathwork session or more than just one yoga session because your body has been holding things for decades or years. So I think it just depends from person to person. Um, the goal though, is to continue to do the thing because eventually like, you know, imagine like a very tightly wound up ball, right? Like a, a yarn ball, like you, you start to pull and it's very tight. And the more that you do it, like the more relaxed and easier it becomes. So if someone does something and they're like, well, this doesn't work. Like I don't, I feel the same. It's like, give your body some grace. Like you've been accruing a lot of stress for a long time. And so maybe it takes more than just one breath work or yoga session, but that doesn't mean that it's not working. It just means that you have to have more compassion for yourself and your body. Mm -hmm. I like that a lot. And just with the, the yarn, once it's all tangled up and once you start pulling at it, eventually it becomes easier and easier to pull. So I like that, that you use that analogy. And I know there's tons of different types of, of breath work you know, there's the the box breathing, alternate nose breathing, all sorts. Is there one that you tend to gravitate more towards? Do you combine a couple of them? Is it person to person or class to class where you try different things? Yeah, great question. I think it depends on what you need. And I say that because let's say that someone is feeling very lethargic, very tired or maybe they're struggling with depression, they're typically going to have lower energy. And so I might do a breathing practice that is going to be the opposite where we, we need to flip on the stress response system to get your body moving and up and like wake you up because your energy is very low. However, excuse me, on the opposite of that, if you are someone who's constantly in an overactive nervous system that's always stressed or in the stress response, I'm going to give you a more calming, like slower breath that's going to be more grounding for you. And so you just have to know where you are. If it's the middle of the day and you're feeling overwhelmed with work, typically a slower pattern is going to be more helpful to calm you down. 
on the flip side of that, if you're like, oh my God, it's midday and I need my fourth cup of coffee, you're going to need a breathwork practice that's going to speed up your nervous system and wake you up a bit. And so the pattern typically is going to depend on the outcome and what you need in the moment. And I will give you an example of just the breathwork practice that I love for folks that are starting um, because we have so many things to do. It's like, I don't want to give you another thing to try to remember. It's just a very slow inhaling for four and then exhaling for eight. Most of what you'll see is that people do need to calm their nervous system down. It's overactive. And so I always start with like very grounding practices. And so that's going to be taking a big breath in for four and then exhaling slowly as if you're breathing out of a straw for eight. And just doing that a few times as opposed to trying to remember a specific breathing pattern. And once that feels good and you are familiar with that breath, there are, of course, a ton of other breaths. People can YouTube or go on Google and, you know, find some other options. But just having one, I think, is helpful for when you're feeling stressed and overwhelmed, kind of like a go-to. And that, I think, is a great one to start because it really turns on the parasympathetic nervous system and really turns off that stress response, fight or flight, which we typically are functioning in. Mm-hmm. And for most of the breathing, I know it's important to exhale longer than you inhale. Why is that the case? So usually when you exhale out and you're very intentional about the release, you trigger your parasympathetic nervous system, which turns on the rest and restore or rest and digest system. When we're overactive, our bodies are in fight or flight. It's a stress response. And so that very long, slow, intentional exhale really making that like an intentional eight count or doubling that count is going to calm the body down. Another thing that you can do is alternate nostril breathing. So when you breathe out of the left nostril, that also triggers the parasympathetic nervous system. And so I'll give you an example of when I always use this. I hate the takeoff and landing on a flight. I don't know if like in a past life, I was in a plane crash or something, but it literally scares the hell out of me. And so my body always like gets super frantic. And so what I'll do is I'll just place my thumb over my right nostril and I'll just breathe out of the left. And so breathing in and out of the left nostril is turning on that same like calm down response. Whereas if I cover the uh, left nostril and let's say I'm feeling sleepy and I'm like, oh, I need to wake up. Like it's one o'clock. I got a whole day to still go. That turns on the stress response and it's giving me more energy and it's heating my body up. And so also playing around with left versus right nostril can have a different effect on the body as well. That's so fascinating. I didn't know the the difference. Uh, I have a deviated septum, so I definitely need to get that fixed so I can do the alternate nostril breathing. But, um, yeah, it's just so fascinating, all the the different kinds, the types, if you're feeling tired or need some energy or need to calm down, just how fascinating this this tool is in our in our toy box that we can use. And even can I just add one thing there? Even playing around with the pace. Like there's so many different like you can be doing the same breath and it can be different from person to person if you just change the pace. So if I'm like, oh, I'm tired, I'm going to. I'm breathing very fast because I want to warm the body up and like, you know, bring warm energy into the body. But if I'm like, oh, I need to calm down, like I'm feeling really stressed, I'm going to be very slow and very grounding because, again, I'm wanting to turn on that that rest and restore response. So in addition to different patterns, you can just play with the pace and that can also just completely impact the way that the breath um, that completely that can completely alter the way that the breath impacts your body. 
That's so true. That's just, you're bringing up all these memories now. I remember going to, uh, I want to say it was a Kundalini yoga mm. class and it was like very quick, mm-hmm. fast, fast breathing. And after the class, I had so much energy. Mm-hmm. Just, like, <laughs> the movements were fast. The breathing was in and out very fast. Yeah. And it was like a whole new experience compared to what we're used to of the slow yeah. in, slow out breathing. Yeah. It's totally different experience. Mm-hmm. Yep. That's such a great point. And I would love to talk a little bit about the community piece because I know that's very important for you to go out to different communities, teach these different teachings. So why is community such an important aspect when it comes to our health and different healing journeys that we're on? So I will say that as humans, like connection is such an important part of us living and thriving and, you know, just feeling good. And for most of us, we saw in the pandemic and quarantine, like how much, how important connection was, not necessarily connection with the people that were in our households because we were sick of them, but we, we desired and we missed that connection um, for children all the way up to adults. Like we need that. And there's something really beautiful about like, even now I'm finding that a lot of people are requesting just to be in person again and like have yoga sessions in person and breath work in person, because there's something beautiful about coming together with people to focus on your health, your well-being, like whatever that is. So there's the connection piece. There's also the accountability piece. Like that's where community becomes so important. There's nothing better than being in in something with other people, like, okay, we are all in this together. Like, for example, with Nourish, it's like you have a group where all of the women that come here are focused on prioritizing themselves. And that's our, that's, we're filling our cups first. And like, that's our main priority. And so when you can, when you are able to find accountability, where it's a, whether it's a person or a group, you are more likely to stick to the thing and accomplish your goals. Like there are studies that shows that just telling someone you're doing something or having someone that you check in weekly can increase the outcome and the the possibility of actually achieving the goal. So that accountability piece becomes really important as well. And I will say for me, like when I think about serving communities that don't typically have access to these wellness practices, another thing that I have found to be really important is representation. And so, you know, I am so passionate about this work as a Black woman because I can't tell you for how long growing up and even as an adult, like I went into so many spaces that just, I didn't feel like I belonged because I was the only one there. Sometimes I wasn't acknowledged, you know, that sort of thing. And so I think another part of community is that cultural competency piece and representation. And when you can see someone who looks like you doing this thing and they can share their experience and say, hey, I've been there too, or I've been in a similar experience and this has worked for me, there's a different level of trust that you're able to establish. And I've been in spaces with other black and brown folk who are like, wow, like it was really great to have you guide me. Like I've never had this before and they just are more open, you know, to the experience. And so those are some things that I think when you think about community, you just want to, you want to feel like you belong. You want to feel like you're seen. And that is just such an important aspect when you think about like, what do people need? Like people want to be able to trust other people. They want, again, that accountability and that connection, but they also want to see themselves in spaces. Absolutely. Healing and health is not just for specific people or specific communities. So I really applaud you for doing this work and bringing it to communities because it's not an exclusive aspect and it should be accessible to everyone. Mm -hmm. It should be. But the reality is that for a lot of people, for many different reasons, it's not. And so again, it's like 
my little part of moving the needle um, is is really the goal. Um, because again, like when you see people who have unhealthy coping mechanisms for whatever case, whatever that is, it's just that we've, our brains have learned that when I feel sad or down or angry or whatever, this thing helps, whether it's numbing, because sometimes we use substances to numb and like turn things off or this comfort food, like making, makes me feel good. So people are really just looking to feel safe. Like that's our brain's number one goal and priority. And so it's about giving people another alternative. Hey, okay. So when you feel triggered, you want to do X behavior. How about let's try yoga or breath work. And now you have a different tool. You know what I mean? And so that's, that's really what it is, is for everyone. It's giving us different tools and different ways to cope outside of what we have learned and kind of program as the thing that works for us. Absolutely. And with the the community piece, as a coach, have you seen any transformations? Do you keep in touch with anyone who's done one of your classes in the past and you've just seen them totally transform their lives? I would say that the biggest transformation that I've seen consistently, well, two things, is people releasing stress immediately and just being like, wow, I've never experienced that before. Because again, like, typically we aren't taught these things. And so we have to figure these things out. Um, But I love at the end of a session, someone being like, wow, that felt so good to my body. That's an experience that I've never felt before. So I love that transformation piece of just understanding that just with your breath or just with your body, like you always have access to calming your body down this way. And then the other thing that I've heard is I wish I had had this sooner. And so again, like a lot of times I'm working with people that have been incarcerated or just like really struggling and they now have a different tool and they have been able to feel and experience how it feels in their bodies and how much calmer they feel. And that's probably the other like transformation I hear is like, or transformative thing I hear is I wish I had had this sooner. Like my life would probably be completely different if I had this healthier skill. And so I think just giving people access to their breath is nothing else. The thing that we always have access to, the thing that doesn't cost us anything, the thing that doesn't take a lot of time can be such a game changer for people. It has been such a game changer for me in my own life. Um, and so as far as transformation, I think that that's the biggest thing is just opening people's minds up to what's possible just by breathing slowly or moving your body and allowing them to walk away with a tool that they now have that they can always turn to. Wonderful. And I'm curious just for your work, I know you said you're writing a book coming out mm-hmm. soon. And as a as a mom of two girls, where do you see this work headed in the future? Mm. What kind of tools do you see for them as they're growing up as well? And just mm. where do you see either your work or the yoga meditation heading into the future? Yeah. Thank you for this question. So I am writing a book, which I'm super excited about. You shared the title. It's called Hold Space to Heal. Heal. And in the book, I share seven somatic approaches. So breathwork, meditation, and yoga being three of those. But I share seven somatic or body-centered approaches that people can use to do three things. So the book is broken up into release, reconnect, and remember. And so release is a lot of what we've been talking about today, releasing the stress that you've been holding, releasing the trauma that you've been holding, and talking about why that's so important. And then once you've gone through the process of releasing, now you get to reconnect. And so it's reconnecting with yourself. Again, like getting back to that that version of yourself whom maybe for a long time you've, you've hidden, you've covered, you didn't want to face. Reconnecting with source, because I think that that spiritual connection is also such an important piece of finding fulfillment. 
And then from there, or actually reconnecting with the body, a lot of times when we've experienced a lot of stress or trauma, we become disconnected from our bodies and we don't feel and we're not connected with with our emotions and our intuition. And so all of those things are important for healing. And then from there, it goes into remembering. And so it's like, once I, once I've made this connection with myself, I released all of these things, you get to remember who you are, who you were authentically, like before you were conditioned to think you had to show up a certain way, or you learned to behave a certain way to, to, to be safe or to please other people. And all of the things that we, we learn, it's like, you get to spend time now, like remembering who you were at your core and just allowing yourself to show up as that version of yourself. And I think that when we do that, we are really able to own the power that each of us has the ability to tap into. Um, so I'm writing a book, I'm also releasing a soul care card deck and it's called Nourished. And it's a 44 deck of tarot style cards that are made specifically for women. But the goal is to give people, women, things that they can do every single day because we talked about the importance of releasing stress every single day. And a lot of times I find that we, again, like we don't understand what we need as far as soul care, stress relief goes. And so this deck is... In, intended to make the process easy. So there are activities that range from three minutes all the way up to 30 minutes. And the idea is to pull a three to 30 minutes every day to focus on yourself. And so now it takes the guesswork out of what do I need to do? And that is going, those cards are actually in the midst of being printed right now. And so um, it's, you know, they should be out another month or so, but I'm so excited about that because one thing that I've learned is that like, I have these conversations as I share all these tools and I've just been kind of like building my own toy box over the last couple of years. And I'm really excited because I've taken so many of the things that have been helpful for me and just put them in an easy form for other women. So that's coming as well. Um, and then launching Nourish, which we talked about um, this summer, uh, Q2. So I am always trying to think of ways that I can support others, especially women, because we are so busy and again, like used to just putting ourselves last on the list. And so my goal with all the things that I, I create are just trying to take some of the guesswork out of what it means to heal and release. Um, you know, trying to spill it out and give people as many resources as possible. And I would say you asked me what's on the horizon for business. I, my goal is to just secure more corporate contracts so I can take the information that we've talked about today and bring it into the workplace. Because again, we're seeing so much burnout. And I think a lot of organizations are doing good with wellness programs that check a box and say we have them and, you know, employee assistance programs and all of these things. But then when you talk to employees, they're still very burned out. There's still no work boundaries. And so it's not enough just to have wellness programs. We really have to think about how we can create a culture of well-being in the workplace and then outside of the workplace, because who I am at home is also who I am at work. And so if I'm burned out at home, I'm just showing up as that burned out version of myself and vice versa. And so really just talking to people about the importance of how do we create a culture, right? Like all of us, where whether we're at work or at home, we still take time to focus on ourselves and pour into ourselves and nourish ourselves because we know that when you feel good, you show up better, you have more resources, you're calmer, you're patient, you're more productive. And we're just not really seeing people taking care of themselves. We're seeing a lot more challenges with mental health and people needing therapy and uh, you know, violence and crime and like suicide, like all of these things are increasing. People are needing help and they just don't have the resources. And so I hope to be a small part of that. 
problem and, you know, solution. Yeah, I think you're already playing a huge part and I'm excited for the book to come out. The card deck sounds amazing. Both of your communities that you hold for the workplace and the the upcoming space that you're holding for women just sounds really incredible. So before I ask my last two questions, I just want to say thank you so much just for sharing everything. I can just see all the passion pouring out of you. (laughs) You're just such a calm and welcoming person Mm. and you're you're doing so much in the space I can see how you're helping so many people already so I just want to say thank you send you lots of gratitude and appreciation thank you I receive all of that and for everyone listening she said I'm a calm presence I was like a hot mess a few minutes before this podcast episode because you know like when you have something your kids just never want to cooperate but I'm sharing that to say that I did some breath work I did a breath work focused on stress relief and it immediately brought me back and so when we are tired or sleepy, you know, hungry, like all of the stress, like we just don't show up as our best selves. And I knew that if I jumped on this podcast with that energy, I wouldn't be able to show up fully as my authentic self. And so it works. Like you just have to give yourself a few minutes and you can completely shift the energy. Mm-hmm. No matter what chaos comes about. Yeah. Oh my God. <laughs> coming in and out, you held it together. Yes. Some deep breaths. Thank and, you. Yeah. And it, it's it so just, helpful. Yeah. I saw it real time. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for your patience. Of course. And just the last couple final Mm -hmm. questions. Is there anything that we did not get to touch on that you're thinking, oh, yes, Mm. I really want to let everybody know this or any leave everybody with some motivation, a quote that you love, a book that you love, a topic either related Mm. or totally not related to this whatsoever? So I share in the book uh, that a part of my own experience was trying to numb certain, because you ask like, what about people who don't want to go back and face emotions and things like it's going, is it going to be hard for them to sit with themselves? And I said, yeah, but it's so important. I just want to share like why it's so important. So again, I had things happen in my childhood. I kind of tried to bury them away and forget about them. And I thought for like 20 years that I was doing okay. I wasn't. What I realized through my own healing journey is that when we try to selectively numb, so Brene Brown says you can't selectively numb, like when you try to numb and get rid of the pain or the, the sadness, the guilt, we also numb away the joy. And so I didn't realize that for over two decades, because I was like, I don't want to think about these things. Whenever I thought about my childhood, I only thought about pain. I didn't think about joy. Whenever I thought about my young adult years, I only thought about pain. I didn't think about joy. And we don't realize that we're walking around as like a shell of ourselves, not really allowing ourselves to feel and be happy and have joy and all of these things when we aren't willing to do that again, that that dirty work that, you know, like when you aren't allowing yourself to really feel those emotions and go back to those experiences. And so it's, it's about finding joy, like, you know what I mean? Like feeling good about life. And I think that that is such an important part of the healing process that we don't even realize because I didn't realize that that was the case for me. And so just encouraging people, like you can't selectively numb and choose what you're going to remember and forget when you bury it all away, you bury away the good things as well. So you have to be willing to go back to that space and like find the joy again. Oh, that's super powerful. And I'm sure a lot of people now are going to want to buy the book and connect with you. So where can they find you and connect with you? Take one of your classes. 
Thank you for that question. So I am on LinkedIn and Instagram mostly as Dominice R. Clifton. And I always just make a joke and say, find it in the show notes because my name is really hard to find. The book, again, Hold Space to Heal is going to be coming out um, Q2 and the card deck will. And so if you connect with me on LinkedIn and or Instagram, I'll be sure to share more as we get closer to that. And then if anyone is interested in learning more about Nourish, any women that are listening, you can go to nourishwellnesscollective.com learn more about the membership and also sign up to join the wait list and um, stay looped into the membership as that's launching. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on, Dominice. It was so lovely to chat with you. Alex, thank you so much for having me and just having so much patience with the little ones and noises in the background. It means a lot as a mama because we all know like sometimes we try to put lines on motherhood and work and all the things, but you know, COVID showed us if nothing else that like they all kind of mesh together. And so I'm just really grateful for your patience today. Of course. Yeah. It's <laughs> life and it's beautiful. <laughs> Absolutely. Thank you. Well, I hope you enjoyed this conversation. I hope that you learned something new and I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you liked it, feel free to share it with a friend. You can also subscribe, rate, or review this podcast. And for more health, wellness, and lifestyle tips, you can always come say hi to me on Instagram. I'm at Nutrition Moderation or online at NutritionModeration.com. And I'm also currently seeing clients. I see clients worldwide, all over the world. We chat virtually. So if you have some sort of hormone imbalance and you need some help with your hormones and your health, I do offer a free 15-minute discovery call that you can book at any time, but I only take on a couple clients a month. So if you do have painful periods, PCOS, endometriosis, ovarian cysts, acne, bloating, anything like that, definitely feel free to reach out so we can chat some more and see if I can help you and if I'm the right fit for you. But I hope you have an amazing day wherever you are and I'll chat with you very soon. Yeah.